Hello, and welcome to the Swan Song Project podcast. My name is Ben Buddy Slack, and I'm the founder of the Swan Song Project and the host of this podcast. The Swan Song Project is a charity. We help people living with terminal illnesses or dealing with bereavement to write and record their own original song. We believe in celebrating lives, making memories, and leaving legacies. If you'd like to find out more about the charity, you can check out our website, which is swansongproject.co.uk. The podcast features songwriters. In each episode, I have a different guest on. I ask them to share with us one of their songs. We have a conversation about how they wrote it. I ask them to share with us a songwriting tip. And I also ask them to share a song that's meaningful to them in some way relating to bereavement. This episode features Robert Robertson of the band Tired Lines. And hope you enjoy it. Okay, today I'm here with Robert Robertson. Thanks for joining me. Thanks very much. It's great to be here. Yeah, we're looking forward to talking to you. So Robert's the uh, frontman from a band called Tidelines. Uh, if you're not familiar with their music, I uh, highly recommend checking it out. Um, and yeah, this is the Swan Song Project podcast. If you're new to the show, uh, each week I have a different songwriter on and I'm going to ask for one of their songs. We're going to have a chat about how they wrote it. Section two, I'll ask Robert to share with us a songwriting tip. And then section three, we're going to talk about songs meaningful to Robert in some way relating to bereavement. Uh, so I'll hand it over to you now, Robert, and ask you to introduce your song for us, please. Okay, so um, I decided to to pick for this um, a, one of our own songs, a Tyler song called Heroes, uh, which was written just after we released our first album. So it's maybe written about 2018 and released. And, um, and yeah, I mean, it's probably, yeah, let's hear the song and then, and then we can talk about it after that. So this, this, is, this is Heroes. Still I remember when I was told Stories of evenings and days of old Nothing to hide and nothing to lose Down to the hall in their dancing shoes Where a boy with nothing but hope to declare Saw a girl who was tying a bow in her hair Here's to all the olden heroes Everyone who's gone Hitting the earth on the day we're born We come from dust and to dust return All of our moments while we are here Last for a lifetime then disappear And she smiled as she heard the accordion play And they laughed as they watched the evening away of everyone there held the girl as they danced with the bow in her hair ghosts of our ancestors watching on out in the fields where the world was one 
Ghosts of the morning watch from above Ghosts of the evening who've lived that loved And still there's a boy on the dance floor somewhere And a girl and she's tying a bull in her hair Here's to all the olden heroes Everyone who's gone before There's a boy on that dance floor somewhere And a girl still tying the bow in her hair Okay, brilliant. So that was Heroes by Tidelines. Um, yeah, it's a really cool song. I really like it. Uh, what can you tell us about, about writing it? Well... We're always trying, quite a common theme through what we write, uh, both kind of lyrically and musically, is we're trying to sort of bridge a gap between uh, what we were brought up with, which was actually for some of us a quite sort of traditional Scottish music, mm-hmm. um, and and what we're now kind of playing, which is more along, certainly that's part of it, but it's, it's, it's a more sort of poppy, kind of rocky sound, as you could kind of hear in that track, hopefully. Um, and, you know, musically, there's, it's, we're a, we're a four-piece kind of pop band, but, you know, you can hear in that track, there's whistles and, and there's different wee, wee lines musically that hopefully bring out the, the kind of traditional aspect. Um, but lyrically, I think I'm always searching for something that appeals to, well, anyone really, uh, you know, that's got a kind of universal appeal, but also speaks of, where we're from and and what you know what we've been brought up with and I think Heroes is is probably uh, the most kind of one of the most kind of obvious examples of that in the sense that it's actually literally saying here's to all the olden heroes everything that's gone before Um, and you know I, I think what's gone before is so incredibly important to what we do and and what we try to you know what will what's gone before is important to what comes ahead essentially for mm. for us um so that's why i thought it was maybe a good good song to me yeah yeah it's really good i really like what you said i mean one of the things why i think so as i can mention in one of the emails that i'm kind of fairly new to your music one of my friends introduced me to years um a couple of months ago but i'm really enjoying getting into it and one of the things i really like is i feel like you still get that balance really really well um so the kind of traditional scottish music you were kind of brought up on you're all from highlands is that right yeah, we're all yeah we're all from the Highlands. I'm from the West Highlands. Um, Ross is the piano player. He's from the island of Mull. Um, so there's a real Gaelic tradition coming through there. Um, and uh, Gus and Ali are from Ali's from Alness up near Inverness, uh, which is like the, Inverness is the Highland capital. It's called. <laughs> uh, and Gus is, is is originally from Glasgow, but spent his school life up in Lossiemouth. So Gaelic and uh, Gaelic songs, uh, traditional Scottish folk music, but also kind of like Scottish dance music and all the old mm. traditions of, of 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 Scottish traditional music have, have been around us from a young age. And and I think they play a very small part in Tidelines, I've got to say. It's not, you know, we're nowhere near a, a folk band or a traditional band, um, and, but, but they're definitely, I don't think we could ever produce something that doesn't have that at its, at its kind of heart, you know. 
Yeah, yeah. I think it's a great thing to kind of be aware of, you know, like aware of those traditions and the music that you kind of raised on, but then like not, you know, not be bound to them, but also not forget about them either to use them in that way where you are merging them with your, your current influences and things as well. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, we're, we're not the first band to, to do that with, with traditional music. But at the same time, I don't think any band comes out of nowhere. You know, I mean, you, you mm. talk about rock and roll bands, you're talking about the blues, you're talking about, you know, uh, so I, I, and all, all sorts of influences on all sorts of music. So um, we are just pretty grateful that we've got, a, um, that you know, that we have been brought up in, in quite a rich tra- tradition. Um, and Heroes, actually, as a song, is it's a very specific story. Mm. Um, about a, a well, I mean, it's pretty cl- clear from the song about a guy going to a dance, meets a girl, and um, where were you from in the Highlands? That still very much happens, you know. Like, you could be on an island or a or a village in the Highlands, and and you'll be there on a Friday night or something, and they'll say, oh, there's a, you know, there's a dance in the local hall, and everyone goes down, and uh, and there's a band playing for three and a half hours of, of you know, and you're talking about. Kaylee dance music here and 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 people can up whereas I think that used to be a massive tradition throughout the whole of Scotland possibly throughout the whole of the UK actually I'm, I'm not sure but it was um, certainly something that, that that doesn't exist really um, apart from now in, in more rural areas but the the thing that inspired me to write about it was actually at the time we just booked a gig in the Barrowlands in Glasgow which is which is a you know a really iconic venue and it was the biggest a headline gig we'd done at the time as a you know we'd, we'd played bigger festivals and things but it was one of those you know you go out and a, a limb and put a show up on sale just as tidelines so it's two two thousand tickets basically um in glasgow and we sold it out we thought you know this is it was a risk you know that's such a big gig but we, we sold it out believe it or not in in six minutes <laughs> it went up <laughs> and and it was one of those things because the battlelands is such an iconic venue it was, I think, anyone that had heard Tidelines thought, well, I want to hear them in that venue because it, it, it speaks so much about uh, the culture that I'm talking about, actually, which is going to a dance. Because in Glasgow, they used to talk about the dancing, right? The dancing, which is a, a slightly different tradition. But in the old days, and like my father's generation will talk about this, and uh, or, or, or our grandfather's generation, certainly, um, you would go along to, to a big dance hall and... and the men would line up on one side of the hall, the, the women would line up on the other, and eventually one of them, one of the boys would have to have a few scoops and make his first first move and go over and, and, and to ask a lady to dance, you know, and that kind of thing's obviously completely gone, but I just think it's a really charming, uh, yeah. a charming thing. And so when I was writing Heroes, it was partly because we were inspired by the fact we were going to put, but I mean, our show is essentially, you know, it's, it's, it's just like any live gig nowadays, it's essentially a, a like a rock show, basically. <laughs> and, uh, but actually, in this hall where, where you know, that it was maybe 50 years ago if you'd been there on a Saturday night, it would have been much more like a tradition that actually still happens in the Highlands mm-hmm. where, where we're from. So that was kind of where that all came about. Nice. Yeah, I really like the, um, I really like the detail of the girl with the bow in her hair as well. That feels like a real, like the... Lots of traditions on how I don't know, it's just something about those kind of little details like that that make them really real. Um, and that, yeah, that was one of the things there that really kind of yeah, reminded me of lots of the old traditional songs that I know and love as well. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. How did you go about so? So, you say you were kind of inspired when you booked the, the Barrowlands show. 
um, then did you? So was it then? I'm going to write a song where the story is going to be about about this dance dance hall meeting, um, or was it like the chorus came first? Or and like, is that something? So I always do this. I start asking one question, then I lead on to three or four questions. But do you start with a story, or do you start with a theme, or how do you go about? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I can't actually remember specifically the moment that, that I really got heroes, but every song I've ever written starts with the melody. I never, ever mm. start with, with words, um, which is funny because words is, um, I did English at uni, so words is kind <laughs> of my, one of my things that I love. I, you know, I love it when I've got the melody locked in and I can sit and now think about the words, to, but I've, I've, I'm never, it never begins with the words for some reason or another. Um, so in terms of heroes, the melody would have come first. And once that was fully formed, I would have sat and thought about it. And I don't think I would have uh, consciously decided this is going to be a story about a boy that goes and meets a girl at a dance. And I certainly wouldn't have consciously decided that because we were playing in a particular venue. It, it always just, uh, I don't want to say it comes naturally, but it, it all, because it doesn't, it's obviously a big thought process and a lot of work, but it 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 comes without me making a conscious decision about a theme. Um, because I find when I do make a conscious decision about a theme, I never write anything that's particularly good <laughs> uh, because I'm kind of confined. I just think, well, I'll just write some words here. And all, but what I'm, I think I mean in kind of retrospect is that lyrically, I was probably inspired by the fact that I was extremely excited about this gig I was going to do, and that most of my mind at that point was actually just thinking and anticipating this Battlelands show, which eventually, thankfully, happened before COVID hit. It was, say, uh, end of 2019 in November, we played it and, it, and we played this song, and I remember saying, you know, this song was pretty much written thinking about this show. So, yeah. um, so uh, that's kind of how it came about. Yeah, so it sounds like you've got quite a natural process in terms of. So was that like yes, yeah, so like in retrospect, putting those two events together. That does that happen with other songs? Do you like? Do you, so, so I guess you just you come up with melodies and then you just see what lyrics come out um, without kind of directing a theme. But does that happen with other songs where you've kind of written it and then be like, well, actually, that was probably inspired by this thing was going on in my life at the time. Yeah, it, it does now and again. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of examples now. Uh, I mean, the the probably the complete opposite of an example of that is our first ever song, which is Far Side of the World. And that, mm. I mean, I don't know where I got that idea from because I wasn't on the far side of the world at the time. I was sitting <laughs> at home. So it was the complete opposite. I think I just, you know, the line, feel the breeze from the Hebrides came to me and then I could have built a song like that. But um, yeah, I, love I mean, line. Yeah, there's stuff, you know, looking back, there's songs I've written that at the time, I was just writing them purely because the boys said, right, we need a new song in a couple of weeks. So I thought right, I'll sit down and write something. You know, looking back, there's songs that are that are about they're about ex-girlfriends, they're about missing home, they're about you know, going out with the lads. So they're all sorts of just all sorts of stuff. There's a song since I left this town uh, in the first album. I think that's really obviously about uh, when I wrote it, it was four years. I'd, I'd finished, I'd just finished uni, so I'd been away from the Highlands for four years in Glasgow. Um, and I was thinking back to basically my first week in Glasgow when I looked out the window uh, and I, I was used all my life, 17 years, I'd looked out the window onto Ben Nevis um, and the, you know, the Anna Moore, Karen Moore Jerick and a beautiful three mountains right in front of the house. 
and then all of a sudden I was looking out my window onto like a street with a street mm. lamp and a couple of drunk guys fighting underneath it, you know, and you're <laughs> just like, oh, what on earth is happening here? So that that was a really obvious example of a song that that has a, as, as you were talking about there, a, a particular theme and a meaning. But there's other songs I've written. Uh, I'm trying to think of the new album, particularly, has got, well, not the new album, but last year's album, The Eye of the Storm, has got a few examples. Innocent and Beautiful's one, mm. uh, Shadow to the Light, which at the time I wasn't entirely aware of what they meant at all, really, um, without meaning to be too arty about it. I was just, uh, I, I, I sometimes don't write very well if I think, right, I'm going to write this song about that lovely tree over there. <laughs> and it, it doesn't really, doesn't really work. So I just kind of write whatever words are presenting themselves to me at the time. Yeah, yeah, that's no, a great way to do it. And it's one thing, I think it's kind of, it's harder than it sounds, isn't it, to kind of like get out of your own way in a way and just channel that creativity rather than being um, like directed, you know, rather than having a specific goal. I used to always think like, well, it's, it'd be easier to just write than to think, well, I'm going to write a song that does this and says this and kind of set myself some boundaries. But it, it's actually the opposite. I find it a lot easier to write when I've kind of got a, a target in mind to try and just write, just like get in touch with what I'm trying to express and write it is really hard to do, I find. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, everyone's different. I remember when I was a, a kid in school and you used to get, um, you know, like your creative writing class in, in mm. Scotland it's called Lanarkshire Writing. I'm not sure, but that, that, I'm not sure why, but that was the curriculum at the time. And we had to get this, and, and it was always like, there was a set thing that you had to write about. And I just remember one of them was a paragraph about like let's say it was like a girl running through a haunted house or something this is what this is in primary school time you know and uh, and then it, it just goes like and then the ghost came out and dot, 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 and then you had to write the rest of the story and I remember sitting looking at this thinking well it's telling me to write a story about being in a haunted house but I didn't feel at that time like I wanted to write a story about being in a haunted house so, you know I didn't I wasn't in the mood to write a story about being in a haunted house so my, net, my first line of what I wrote was just and then she woke up from her dream and uh, and then I just completely wrote a totally unrelated story, which which in actual fact, I'm sure probably failed everything that it was supposed to achieve uh, in terms of the curriculum, but it allowed me to just express whatever it was I felt like expressing at the time. And I think that's kind of how how it goes generally with my songwriting, with, with some with some very few um with some very few exceptions where I've where I've specifically written about something back. I mean, one of the songs actually, um, a Shadow to the Light in the last album was kind of, I, you know, I honestly couldn't even remember at the moment what it was written about at the time. I don't think it was written about anything specific, but the, the, the words of the chorus are, hey, hold on to me till it's over. Because um, I can't remember the last time I was sober from the morning to the night. Hold on to me till it's over. Because I can't remember the last time it was so far from the shadow to the light. And, um, you know, it could be, it's obviously, it could be someone's mental health. It could be someone that's going through something particularly difficult, um, bereavement, as, as we're going to talk about later. But of course, what happened was we released it, just it turned out as coronavirus was starting. Now, when I wrote it, I didn't know, you know, coronavirus was unheard of. But all of a sudden, it took on this relevance uh, that, that, that actually seemed specific. I mean, you would have thought I'd sat and written the song, even to the extent there's a line at the end that says, 
uh, but no matter what lies ahead of us now, we will be okay. And at that point, we were just like, wow, I mean, that's pretty relevant, totally accidentally. So we, we did a wee acoustic version of the song, which eventually actually ended up with more social media support and and across all the DSPs and Spotify and stuff that it, it was actually getting listened to more than the original track. And I think it was because it was just released at that time. I think it was the last day that I wasn't just locked up for three and a half months. It was basically right on the cusp of lockdown and we got this out. And I think that's an example of if, if you're just writing something uh, that's expressing a, an emotion, uh, no matter what that emotion is, it's always good to be able to fit into lots of different categories. And, and that really, really fitted into what we kind of needed to say at that point. Yeah, yeah. So that sounds like it's come along at just the right time and just what was kind of needed to express at that, that moment yeah. in time. Yeah. Um, I'm interested in how you do your... Well, one thing, like, how often are you writing? Do you, are you one of the people that writes, like, pretty much all the time? Or do you have do you sit down and do stuff? And um, particularly in your process of your coming up with your melodies, is there, a, is there a way you go about it? Or is it like you just just sit down or just start singing and see what comes out? Or do you have a, any kind of um, you follow? Well, first of all, I'm 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 quite a slow songwriter. Um, mm. I think. I mean, it's always it's difficult to. That's a relative point in comparing you know, comparing to other writers. But I mean, I was on the phone to somebody recently, a manager of a of a solo artist, uh, who's just been signed by a, a record label, and and he was telling me that since uh, this artist was signed, they've written no less than seventy songs. You know, and that's like in the last what, six months or something. Now, for me, that's just, I would, it's just impossible. I would never be able to do that. Um, the original idea for a song comes very quickly. Um, to me, sometimes it's just like a, a line. Sometimes it can be a full, a full chorus melody. Very occasionally, it could be a full, uh, like a, a full song melody could come to be in 10 minutes, but that's extremely occasionally. Um, normally, it'll take me a couple of days to knock together the melody. And then the words, I mean, I pour over them for ages sometimes, and it's it's very frustrating, particularly chorus words. I'm not particularly natural at writing a chorus. I can write verses pretty easily. Um, and uh, as soon as it comes to a chorus, I think a chorus needs to, it's so difficult because it, it needs to be the thing that really summarizes everything. And in verses, you can sort of allow your mind to take you down various routes and, and it, the, the song can kind of develop naturally but with a chorus you suddenly go right I've now got to summarize all those verses in yeah. four lines that are going to be catchy and people are going to be able to sing along and they're going to rhyme and they're going to have the right <laughs> so there's a I always grind to a terrible halt at that point so quite often at that point I'll then send the song to the boys in the band and I'll say look usual story it's 70 80 percent complete but what do you think of it before I go any further and generally they'll say, well, they'll, they'll, they'll first of all give me their opinion on whether it's any good. And if it is good, then they'll say, right, okay, you know, Ross might say, I could hear a, I could hear a bass line that might really uh, improve this or, or set it in a slightly different uh, trajectory. And, and Gus might say, well, okay, I don't like the, you know, it's pushing me into a kind of shuffle. I don't like that. Let's change it around and we'll do, you know, change, you know, change the, uh, change the drum beat not so much change the time signature or anything like that but just change the, the overall feel Ali might come away with a wee line so all this like any band really um, that's where the real kind of writing 
is that the song can then develop. And then at times that can be really helpful for me because if I've not written a chorus, then all of a sudden I go, well, hang on, this is really inspiring what the boys are doing. And it's building up into something and then quite naturally a chorus could appear. So it's quite a, well, I, wouldn't, I don't know if it's a, a slow or a quick process because I've never really worked with anyone else, but... Um, yeah, but, I mean, you, you hear some people who it's like you know, 10 minutes and they get the whole song out complete, don't you? And you hear other people who it's years and years of chipping away at word by word or things like that. One of my favourite songwriters is John Fratelli, uh, or Johnny, John Lawler, I think his name is, but John, you know, from the lead singer from the Fratellis. And he was saying in an interview uh, that I was reading recently that if a, a rock song takes more than 15 minutes to write, it's, it's not really worth it because rock should be easy. And uh, and that basically he's never taken more than 15 minutes to write a song, which yeah. is just crazy. It, it happened to me once that I wrote a song called Walking in the Waves with the old bad skipperish. Um, I basically came home from a weekend at a festival and wrote the verses, like all the words to the verses and the melody to the chorus but not the words to the chorus, but the words to the verses, the melody to the chorus in, in literally about 15 minutes. And then I phoned uh, Angus, who, the guy from Skipney who I was writing songs with at the time. And I says, I'm onto something here. This has come really quickly. It's, I just need to tell you right away. Sent him a wee recording and within five minutes, he'd come back with perfect words for the chorus. And that is honestly the only time that that has ever happened to me that it's been so easy. Everything else is a total grind. It's unbelievable. It's just like... I could spend ages, but um, we get there in the end. Yeah. It's interesting. I hadn't really thought about that before. What we're talking about was the, the difference in writing the verses and writing the choruses. And because for anyone who's you know, not familiar with like, the verses, will generally tell more of the story, won't they? And as you were saying, you kind of the, the pressure's on for the chorus in a way to summarize and have that kind of core message that people are going to hook. And, and it's, yeah, there's more importance on it being catchy and easy to sing and things like that. And I guess from writing your way where you've got the melody there, that also restricts what you can say, doesn't it? Because if you've got to fit your words to the melody, you're not you're not doing it the other way where you can write whatever you want lyrically and then try and get a melody to fit it. Yeah, and I have tried that. I've written lyrics before and tried to fit a melody, but it never works for me for some reason. Um, my melodies, if that if that's how I do it, my melody just always seems like homemade, you know, as if mm, I've gone, yeah. I'll maybe go up here and down here, which isn't, that's not how you write a melody. You write a melody by just, you know, just hoping that it, that it kind of comes to you. <laughs> because as soon, as soon as you start going, right, I'm looking at the keyboard, should I go up or down? You're just going to write something that's, well, if it were me doing that, I would just write something that's that's not particularly good. I'm sure I'm sure different things obviously work for different people. But then yeah. talking about the time it takes to write a song, um, I always, like there's a quote from Bruce Springsteen, I can't remember, exactly what it is but it's along the lines of basically his first couple of albums he wrote the songs fairly quickly and then he got his big kind of record deal and his third album uh, uh, Born to Run was basically his one that he knew was hit or a mess uh, you know it was it was either going to make him massive or it was probably going to get him dropped and um, he basically wrote the album and then he got all the words and he went through with a pen and marked anything that was a cliche and if there was a cliche in it, he made sure it was out. And he just, you know, poured, poured over those words because he knew they were so important. And um, and the words in that album to me are just total poetry from start to finish. It's incredible. And and I think as well, the amazing thing is, 
I was telling somebody this recently and they went, but there's loads of cliches in Born to Run. And I was like, yeah, but they weren't cliches when they were written. They're cliches now because that it's album was so good. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you listen to Born to Run, it's full of cliches, but but they were, they, you know, they were actual original lines at that point. So that's, <laughs> it's sometimes when I'm taking ages, I think, well, perhaps it's worth it. <laughs> but, <laughs> the level of thinker that Springsteen is then it definitely is worth it and if, if not then it's probably just trying to keep myself happy somehow <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask if you were a, a Springsteen fan so this is one of the things I was, I was thinking about why, why I've taken to your music is so I was kind of my family's kind of from, from Ireland so I've got a deep love of the, the traditional music over there and that was kind of a lot of my music well my musical upbringing was Irish music was Springsteen in a way so like my, my dad was a massive Springsteen fan yeah, um, and that's what I feel like you you guys capture quite well of that kind of traditional element, but with um, some of the and obviously Springsteen's an amazing storyteller as well. But yeah. elements of these great stories with then these big kind of anthemic choruses and stuff like that. And yeah, that sense yeah. of community, I guess that's what the big thing with Springsteen music, isn't it? It's like you feel a part of it and you feel kind of involved in that community. Yeah, I think um, I think Springsteen is the kind of go-to artist that I always say when I'm trying to talk about that gap being bridged and trying mm. to draw some kind of similarity with not us, but with with bands from similar areas of us that are trying to play some kind of more mainstream music. It's always Springsteen that comes to mind. And in actual fact, I've used him as an example so often in interviews that I'd kind of decided to stop using them, but um, I'm delighted that you've just brought him up because he's my, he's my all-time favourite, so it's great yeah. to talk about him. <laughs> Should do a, we'll do a separate Springsteen podcast sometime. Yeah, totally. Invite me into that one, I'll enjoy that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the same, we're doing this, so this will be episode 64 of this podcast now, and like Springsteen comes up a lot, and I'm a big Leonard Cohen fan as well, and particularly I've got a, I've got a book over there for songwriters and songwriting, and there's a Leonard Cohen interview in there, and he's just like, it's such an in-depth interview and he's so eloquent about his songwriting stuff. So there's just loads in it, which, but I feel like it comes up almost every episode. I'm kind of quoting something from that. I think people listen to the whole way through and it's like, oh, Ben going on about Leonard Cohen again. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. It's, Leonard Cohen's incredible. And, and of course, on, on the subject that, that you do this podcast on, there's a lot of stuff within Leonard Cohen. That's, that's, although I, I'm, I'm by no means a Leonard Cohen scholar, um, I think he's brilliant, but I, I actually have for quite a while been meaning to spend a lot more time not some well listening but also reading you know mm. uh, his words and his because it, i think it, they, they deserve and require a lot of a lot of thought you know yeah he's definitely someone who like he took me a while to get into to get the appreciation for um and he's someone that i feel like the more i've listened to the more i get out of it i'll send you this yeah this the interview from this book i think it's online as well it's just like if anyone interested in songwriting it's just a fantastic interview it's so kind of Great. Yeah, no, so that'd be spot on. Love to yeah. do that. Yeah. Um, brilliant. Yeah. So then, this works nice. Moving into our next section. So this is why I asked. I was asked my guest for a, a songwriting tip. Um, so what would your tip be for us, Robert? Yeah. Well, I was thinking about this before I came on, and I mean, I don't think I'm in a position to give a, any kind of songwriting tip because I mean, I think everyone's got to approach it differently, as we've kind of already spoken about. You know, I've told you how I do it, and and you know, there might be a far better songwriters than me sitting watching this thinking, well, that's a load of nonsense because I do it completely differently. Um, but if I was thinking about maybe a, you know, someone 16, 17 year old who was beginning to start writing songs, um, 
my more general advice rather than any sort of process advice, but what my more general advice would be is to just be aware that nothing, nothing's new. Um, you know, ev everything comes from something uh, musically. So don't be afraid not to copy, obviously, but to go out and listen to loads of music um, because um, I think the most important thing uh, to keep to keep your music kind of developing or going anywhere is is to keep listening to other music, you know, and um, and totally all different kinds of music. And I could basically look back through all the songs I've written and pretty much work out what I was listening. Not not specific tracks or even sometimes specific bands, but just what type of music I was listening to at the time. You know, the earliest songs I wrote are all pretty Highland sounding. Um, this is probably before Tidelines we're talking, although Fireside of the World maybe comes into that category, but songs I wrote with my old band Skipperish Walking in the Waves that I mentioned earlier on and songs like that, they were all quite traditional. And because at that time, probably 80% of the music I was listening to was traditional. And then uh, you've clocked the Springsteen thing there. I remember I, I was quite late when I first got into Springsteen, maybe like 19 or something. And I was just like, it was all I could listen to. And, uh, and then everything that came from that. And, and then... Um, so, you know, I think it's important for young songwriters to actually just go out and and fill their head full of music. And then, of course, obviously then if you write something and you realise that you've actually just stolen a bit of melody from something, then stop and go, right, that's not right, I need to get something original. But there is originality within being inspired by, by other things. You know, I, I, like, I mean, all through, all the best albums that have ever been written have been inspired by other albums you know, like um, uh, like the Beatles and the, and, and the Beach Boys throughout the 60s were basically writing and, and the Stones of course but like I think it was what was it um, was it Revolver no it wasn't it was Rubber Soul uh, inspired the Beach Boys to write Pet Sounds and then Pet Sounds inspired the Beatles again to write uh, Sergeant Pepper and all this sort of stuff so it's like it's not they're not plagiarising they're just listening to everything and, and and that's informing their music so that would be my kind of general advice is don't do it kind of in an insular insular way don't sit in your room and think that you can write something that's going to be something that's never ever been written before and it's totally brand new and it's just come from your head because 99 times out of 100 you won't it'll be something you know it needs to be inspired by something that you've listened to yeah that's really good i think it's kind of a common thing for people who, you know, when you first get into music, to think like that, like everything you're going to do is going to have to be. And I mean, because things are like, things are always original, but like originality is not as radical as I think we might think it could be. You know, like it's not. Yeah. So like, and I think when you learn a bit about music as well, you see how similar, you know, like there's not that many chords and <laughs> kind of things, you know, so like yeah, how many songs yeah. will use the same chord structures, but will sound very different. Um and I guess kind of that, so it's that appreciation of like where your originality is um, and like whatever you do, especially if you're doing it, you know, like we've been talking about of that kind of really expressing what it is you want to say rather than trying to realize like, I'm not trying to write Born to Run. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm not going to try and write something that's exactly the same as that. But if you're expressing something that's going to be original, but it might still, it will still sound like the influences because it has to in a way. Yeah, I think, I think that's it. And you can't be scared of the fact that there's only so many notes on a keyboard and there's only mm. so many chords and on a guitar because 
you have to just trust that your mind is, is strong enough to come up with something that's original. Um, and, and it's not something that you try and do, it's just something that you trust will happen. And I've actually had moments of tearing my hair out with total self-doubt, just looking at a keyboard going, how can I get something original out of this that's never been done before? And the answer is, I probably can't, but I could just do something that's original enough that it's new and it's fresh and it offers something to the conversation, basically. Yeah. And um, like I've tried before to think, well, this is a beautiful melody. Well, I'll sit and think, I really like this melody that I've written, but it's only got the typical four chords. There was one, five, six, four or whatever. And I'm just like, oh, that's so boring. So many people have done it. So I'll throw in this mental chord and I'll take the melody here. And invariably that's a path to complete disaster. And if, if that mental chord comes in naturally because I've been listening to, like the, the Killers are another great example of a band who, like, you know, all their big kind of hooks are written on, you know, a, a small number of chords and something that's, that's catchy. But then there's always like a middle eight section that takes you somewhere else. Mm. And that's just brilliant and 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 you know it could it could modulate and, and take you to a completely different part of the song but then it brings you back to something that essentially is has got the those ingredients that just make people want to jump about and sing and i think that's that's the ultimately important thing of, of writing a, a, a piece of music yeah yeah i think it's really good advice and i think it's really good as well you said about just immersing yourself in music and just listening to as much stuff as you can and taking influence from from wherever it comes from. Um, again, it's something what like I certainly did when I was younger was I felt a bit I probably wasn't as bad as it as, as yeah, I can myself, but you know, the idea of like so we were kind of a blues rock band. So it's like, well, we're gonna be a blues rock band, so I need to listen to blues and rock music <laughs> bands, mm. you know, like in that area, rather than being like, well, actually, you know, I do I've got all this Irish music that I've kind of listened to for a long time and know about this stuff and Springsteen stuff and these other influences and then trying to merge it into you know so into that original sound rather than this is the kind of band I want to be so that's the direction I need to go in. I mean obviously you do want to school yourself in whatever direction you go in but you also shouldn't omit things for a reason like that. Oh no totally and sometimes it can come totally randomly I mean I was sitting watching a football game one night on Sky Sports and the and the advert that came on afterwards was the Renettes. Good, um, be my, be my baby, be my little baby, be my, be my baby, right? <laughs> and it was like a one of those, it was like a Phil Spector thing. And I was just, that's, I mean, I've heard it before, obviously, but that's brilliant. So I phoned my dad because he's a big uh, fan of 60s kind of music. So um, I phoned him, I was talking about the Renettes and then got to talking about a lot of that. Kind of stuff, and of course, it was about the time that Diana Ross had died of the Supremes as well. So it started, uh, I started like just listening to all this music just for a couple of days, just listening to, to and the harmonies and the, the and, and those really simple chord structures, but then the kind of voices building up on top of it all. And then at that point, I was trying to finish off a chorus to a song that I'd actually written the verses of ages ago, and I'd sent it to the boys, and they didn't like the chorus. Um, so I'm sorry, I'll try and write a new chorus. And I sent this chorus to the boys, and uh, Gus was like, "That's great! It's, it's, it's like it's like some kind of doo music. It's like it's really, it's really it's, it sounds like something that the Supremes would sing." <laughs> and I'm like, "I'm like, I will, 
I'm not surprised because I've been listening to him. And he's like, no, but it doesn't sound like any Supreme song in particular. It just sounds like this kind of general. <laughs> and then it turned out he'd actually been listening to them as well. You know, so it's, it's actually really, it's funny how those things, and, and, and then it's, it's, you've literally got maybe 10 seconds of music in your song that's inspired by two days of listening to, to loads of stuff. Um, and then, you know, there's, there's other parts of that song that are inspired by completely different things. So it, therefore it eventually is something that's original because it's got it's like a melting pot of loads of different influences yeah yeah that's a great way of putting it <laughs> um brilliant yeah that's really good advice uh let's move on to section three now sure this is where i ask my guests to share with us a, a song that's meaningful to them in some way relating to bereavement and what i do here is i put the link in the description so if you're listening or watching this podcast and you're not familiar with the song we're going to talk about you can follow that link have a listen to it and come back and we're going to have a chat about it so um what song would you choose for us robert yeah, so I've chosen uh, Vincent by Don McLean. Um, and I think the reason I chose that is it was probably the first song that's really obviously about bereavement uh, that I ever really knew. Mm -hmm. uh, I've mentioned my dad's taste for 60s music earlier on, and Don McLean was a wee bit later than that in the 70s. But, but you know, I think Don, Don McLean himself was was inspired by kind of 50s rock and roll and uh, Buddy Holly in particular. Famously, of course, on, on the subject of bereavement, American Pie supposedly written about uh, Buddy Holly's death, untimely death. And yeah, the day the music when died. Kid, when I was a kid, yeah, the day the music died. So when I was a kid, my, my dad used to listen to all this music and, he, and it was always on the car. And Don McLean was, was something that I just loved as a kid. And I think you know, it's easy to see why a child would enjoy Bye Bye Miss American Pie, you know, in the back of the car on a long journey. <laughs> but stuff like Vincent had like this emotion in it that, that really got me as a, as a, I remember as a small child just be, just listening thinking, there's something really sad about that. And I couldn't quite put my finger on it because obviously it's quite a complicated song for a child to understand. And dad was basically explaining to me as a kid, oh, it's about Vincent van Gogh. Um, the artist and he obviously took his own life and and I think was on the verge of of I mean he was genius obviously and and that was that obviously paid it he paid the price for that essentially um and I just think uh, that Don McLean took on a huge subject to write about that such an iconic guy but not to write about him as an artist but to write about him as a, as a person and a, a lover um, and a, a depressive basically and and the struggles that he went through on a personal level obviously none of this was going around my head when I was a kid but looking at it now and I just realized what an incredible ironically what a work of art Vincent the song is I think it's totally totally amazing yeah, yeah, it's a really powerful, really, and it's yeah, an amazing piece of craftsmanship for a songwriter to have written the song the way he has. I really, I really liked the way you described it then. Of um, you know that when you, especially when you're young, and I think it still happens now. But I guess you, as you get more educated as a songwriter, that like you can you can find those why is this song affecting me this way quicker. But as a child, when you hear a song and like it's just you know oh I feel why do I feel like this listening to this song. And then go and study in it, and yeah, like it is a complex song. He like he references lots of the paintings and things throughout it, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously the first line, "Starry, starry night," but uh, I throughout it, you've got you've got um, you know references to daffodils and 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 
3Ds and just all, all the data. In fact, to be honest, that most of them have gone right out of my head at this particular moment, but you're right, it goes through the list. But it does it in a way that you wouldn't know that that's what he was doing, yeah. you know, uh, unless unless you, you knew the the Van Gogh or the Van Gogh painting. Yeah, and then the taking of it, um, so like I guess his, his sympathy for Van Gogh and what happened to him, because it was a suicide, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, because the song's kind of dealing with that, like, not just him as as a famous artist, but as a person and the struggles he was dealing with, and then to see that in a sympathetic way and want to kind of, yeah, express it and tell that tell that story as the man beyond the artists and things as well. It's yeah, it's a very powerful piece of work. He's he's a very very good writer, Don McLean. I mean, he's one of, in my opinion, one of the best ever, and probably one of the most underrated actually. Because everyone will go, "Oh, I American Pie," you know, sing at the karaoke. It goes on for nine minutes or whatever. But <laughs> in actual fact, there's so many of his songs, and actually, one that I was almost considering putting in that it's, it's not it's not to do with bereavement, but it could be, is a song called "Empty Chairs," and it's um, it's I mean, presumably it's about a breakup. I think. But it could really be about a death as well. And it says, um, um, uh, morning comes and goes with no regrets, but evening brings the memories I can't forget. You know, I just think that could be about anything. And it's just such a, morning comes and morning goes with no regrets, but evening brings the memories I can't forget. Yeah, just that's incredible. There must be yeah. so many people that that that's that is life for every single night, you know. Yeah, that and reminds. I, I'm sure Van Gogh was probably one of these people. Yeah, yeah, that line reminds me of a. Um, are you familiar with the Saw Doctors? Yeah, I love the Saw Doctors. Yeah, another another band that kind of uh, have a similar category to you guys. Um, but there's a line in Share the Darkness um, where all your fears and worries attack when you're alone. Which was it's reminded me of that in a way of you know like yeah you can be all right during the daytime but when you're alone or in the evening it's dark and then that's when the kind of more difficult times might hit people. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so I think uh, uh, you know it's strange those songs. I'm I'm in a lucky position. You, know, I've, I've still got both my parents and, and uh, I've never really experienced bereavement very very close to me you know i mean i've, I've exp- obviously experienced a lot of it like everyone has but nothing mm-hmm. that's I, and so i've never actually really written a song that is just me sitting down to write about a real real sense of loss you know um and i, I count myself lucky in, in that sense but i still get the huge emotion of of someone that has sat and written that that kind of song um and and I think what Don McLean has been able to do, and whether it's that beautiful opening verse of American Pie and the closing verse, which is, you know, um, as you say, the, the day the music died, and I, you know, I can't remember if I cried when I read about his widowed bride, something touched me deep inside the day the music died. And so what it's actually talking about is it's not sympathy for yourself or what you've gone through, but, but sympathy for somebody else and what they're going through. Um, and... Uh, Vincent obviously it, it takes it a step further because it's sympathy for a historic figure essentially that he didn't didn't ever have a chance of knowing because they weren't living in the same time but yet he's to me it seems like he's encapsulated 
Port Vincent must have been going through. Yeah, and that's such a kind of that's such a skill of an artist, isn't it? Because it's something again mentioned Springsteen. You know, like when some people criticise Springsteen, saying yeah, he writes about working people, but he's not been a working person. It's like well, that's it's not a fair criticism for it because like if if people only were allowed to write about what they write about, what they are living then anyone successful is only going to write songs about being a rich, famous rock star, which isn't really... The skill is that he's really good at putting himself in other people's shoes and understanding what people go through, which is what... So Don McLean have done this with, like I say, with the Lions of American Pie, but also with Vincent. It's that ability to empathise with another person and really put yourself inside their shoes and and express something there. And And music especially for artists like Don McLean um, and like Springsteen and like the Saw Doctors. Uh, that was a kind of random trio, but it's the ones we've talked about. <laughs> it's a great um, trio. That's it is a great trio. It's a good super group. <laughs> that'd be some guy, yeah. <laughs> um, but music is it's storytelling for those guys. And, um, and to tell a story, it doesn't need to be your story. You know, I mean, no one's going to sit and say that J.K. Rowling never went to Hogwarts, you know, yeah. it's, like, it's like the point of storytelling is that you yeah. didn't do it yourself, and so those guys, but I think obviously among all those guys, there is something underlying that they, that they do know themselves, and I've actually said in interviews before about our stuff, and actually thinking about it now, um, I've probably kind of misspoken, because I, I've said that I can only write about stuff that I know, and I'm, I mean that in the sense that underlining everything I've written is Highland culture, uh, this, the difference between the Highlands and the city and living in the city of Glasgow. And that's just throughout everything that I write, really. But uh, there's definitely a lot of stuff in my songs that I don't know that's definitely... There's a lot of fiction in it. Mm -hmm. um, and that's... I think that's probably the case with, with most songs in the world, that, that none of it's ever totally biographical. There's always... Yeah. A it's sorry, autobiographical. There's always a wee bit of, of fiction. Yeah. I just, this is just clicking into my head now, so I, I might say this and it might not make any sense at all, but whether this connects... <laughs> Don't worry, to... I've been speaking for half an hour not making any sense at all. <laughs> whether it's kind of similar to what we were talking about with music, where it's like, you know, you can, you can write something which is, you know, completely abstract and completely out there for the sake of being out there. Like you can make music which is completely out there for the sake yeah. of being out there or you can write something which is like taking taking your real experience but dramatizing certain parts of it or changing certain details but like this is what i always say with springsteen stuff that even if he's not worked in a factory he's connects to that experience of what that person is going through so even if you write a song where it's not set i mean like you said with far side of the world that you know you weren't the far side of the world or things yeah. where it was like you know but the the sentiment and the emotion is is the same regardless of the settings a bit different in the same way i don't know if this is a good analogy or not but in with the music side of it that year you know you're taking certain elements of certain things but it's the something that glues them together that is authentic in a way yeah i mean it, it makes it makes perfect sense to assume that somebody can write a song about a particular situation without necessarily having experienced that themselves i mean you've only got to look at just when we're talking about about Springsteen and the and the kind of working class side of things, um, got, I mean, it kind of reminded me almost of of 
this is a kind of another random tenuous link here, but, but Charles Dickens in, in, in Victorian England writing about uh, you know the poor houses. And obviously Charles Dickens wasn't brought up in a poor house, but the fact that he uh, could put himself in the position of people who were meant that he gave those people a voice that they didn't mm -hmm. otherwise have. Then, you know, in those days, nobody from a poor house was going to become a famous novelist. So he was able to take their plight to the world, essentially. Um, you know, he was, he was big, I think Dickens was sailing in America to a great extent and he was sailing in Britain. So it was like that. And, and then you take that to Springsteen and what you're saying. And the fact that Springsteen's written about, you know, being a blue collar worker coming home at night to, I mean, I think he's obviously experienced that with his alcoholic father and his, you know, all this sort of stuff. But the fact that he hasn't actually lived that himself um, and the fact that he says he's, he's the guy that's born to run, but yet having travelled the world his whole life, he's now just bought a house in Freehold, New Jersey, which is where he's from. None of that actually matters, because what matters is he's managed to produce something that tells about his people, and his people, you know, are the blue-collar workers of Freehold, New Jersey. You know, our people are the people, the, the, the gales of the Highlands of Scotland, you know, and, and, and if you can... A, sort of get that narrative out to to people out with that sphere then you know to what extent it's it's reflecting your life doesn't really make a difference as to how authentic it is in in my opinion yeah and i think there's something powerful in what you can touch on there of for people like you said about dickens and like for people who aren't gonna be able to do that themselves who you know aren't gonna be a a famous rock star aren't going to be a songwriter or aren't going to be a novelist but to have something which which feels like they re represents their experience is so powerful and there's nothing better than when you hear a song and you're like that's exactly the way i feel i just haven't put it into words and songs the way that person has but i can listen to that song and and it's there and i think that is exactly what springsteen offers to so many people like to an extent that and just it's totally unsurpassed for me and and the way he speaks to, to people i mean, i just as I say, I was quite late to coming to Springsteen. Um, I really, I mean, obviously I knew all his kind of big songs, but I really started listening to his albums when I was at uni, I was like 1920 or something. And um, sorry, when I was 19 years old or 20 years old, I didn't go to uni in 1920. <laughs> but <laughs> um, he's, I, I'm really pleased that I didn't, uh, I wasn't a Springsteen fan from a young age because I think it was almost like a revelation when I when I discovered it and, and it was like wow this guy's actually speaking about so much that that has just been my life for a while you know and I think the Highlands any I think any kind of any sort of slightly any place in the world that isn't actually the center of a kind of cosmopolitan city will, that, that relies to an extent on whether it's industry or whether it's like a, a particular, and, and they're kind of not ostracized as such, but they're not within the main structure of like, of whether it's the country or whatever, but you know, like Freehold, New Jersey, there's a lot of people there that felt they were maybe forgotten about, mm. you know, and I think in any rural area in the world, you probably get that when, everything's concentrated in the, the nearest big city and I think like so much of Springsteen's and, and also by the way you get that in the cities themselves of course to a huge extent but I think 
Springsteen just really speaks to people like that. And it's, but I, but that wasn't how he was speaking to me. I mean, I was just like, on a really personal level, like it's just this be, it's be kind of love stories and things like that that are the songs that populate it for me. It's, it's just brilliant, totally amazing. Yeah, yeah, he's, and he's got such a, me and one of my other, other big Springsteen friend, Springsteen fan friends, used to always say that he's, he feels like he's got a song for every every situation, every feeling, every emotion you're kind of in. There's always a Springsteen yeah. album or song that's gonna that's gonna help you in it. That's it, because because actually, as I was going through all the songs in my head, there I was thinking, am I talking nonsense here? Because none of them particularly relate to me, but it's just it's overall, you know. For example, Thunder Road's my favourite song. And you know Roy Orbison singing for the lonely, hey it's me and I love you only. I've I've never particularly felt that <laughs> that I'm, I've never particularly felt terribly lonely. But it's just I don't know. There's there's just something something about it that seems to be like it's pro- possibly as you say it's it's the Celtic connection um, in the fact that you know he's, he's got Irish heritage on his on his mother's side I think and and. Um, and then he's just put it into a massive big rock and roll setting. And having been brought up with a mix of Gaelic music and kind of 60s and 70s rock and roll, 50s, 60s and 70s rock and roll, actually, I just, just Springsteen was just manna from heaven for me when it, when it appeared. Yeah, yeah. When, sorry, when it appeared. <laughs> when, when, I, when I really started getting into it, I mean, I don't... <laughs> yeah, I had a similar thing. I've got, like, so I, yeah, my dad was a big Springsteen fan, so, I, like, growing up, we just had lots of it in the house. And then I can really remember when I was, you know, getting a bit more serious and, and you know, getting more interested in music myself and kind of discovering stuff myself, going through my dad's series, we're like, oh, this one, I'll put this one on. And it'd be in Springsteen now and being like, oh, I know this song. And then, like, the next track, oh, I know this song. And, you know, like, when all of a sudden you're like, and, and they're putting together like, oh, he wrote all of these songs. These are all the same guy. <laughs> and then getting you know, listening to them in more detail and be like, oh, this is really interesting. about. But what um, when you were talking about Starry Starry Night and that kind of first realizing like a song that's about death and bereavement in that way, Terry's song is a big one for me. Like that, the Springsteen one about is his, his manager or his uh, one of his friends, Terry, mm. who died. I think it was, was on Magic. Um, but I remember hearing that, and that was one of the first examples for me. Where it was like, oh wow, he's written a he's written a song about someone who was close to him who died, and it's such a powerful, um, beautiful song. I remember that was just like that being a really big moment for me of like what you can do with a song, and the kind of I don't know the bravery of doing that, and the that yeah, he's obviously just lost someone really close to him, and then he's decided to write this song in in memory of him, um, and share it with the world, and it just felt. Just felt like an amazing thing to to see that a song could do that at the time, which I'd thought a bit more was like, I don't know, you love songs and stuff. Yeah, I think um, I think bravery is the word to tackle something like that um, because I think when you're writing about anything too specifically in that sense, it can, you know, it, you would trust Bruce Springsteen implicitly to do it, but it's it's something I would be very scared to do. You know, you, I would write in general, you know, if I felt a sense of loss, there would probably be a, a general sense of loss in my next half a dozen songs, you know. But to actually sit down and go, I'm going to write a song about this person. And I'm trying to think, as you were speaking there, I was trying to think of other examples of when it's been done. And the one that kept occurring to me was, um, you know that Elvis Presley song and it's about his dog? I think it was, it was Old <laughs> Shape or something it's called. And I can't, you know, I can't even remember how it goes right now, but it's, I, it's got this absolutely... Uh, 
beautiful sense of, of loss to it, but it's, it's, it's about his dog. Um, and then there's like uh, the, the Furies, the Irish band, the Furies have got a beautiful song about, I think it's just called My Old Man or something. And again, about losing, losing his father. And it's a beautiful song. And um, yeah, to write about that specifically is, thankfully, touch wood, I've, I've never had the, the, the cause to, to do it. But I think if I did, I think I would maybe be writing just more generally about loss rather than just in, in case I did something that that didn't reflect as it, as it should or whatever. But I think with the calibre of songwriters we were talking about here, and it brings us back again to Don McLean, who that was a very specific song about Vincent Van Gogh. And um, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it, I think it's an incredibly talented and brave songwriter that, that, would, that would attempt something like that. Yeah, definitely. I think going back to the, uh, the Vincent one, to do it with someone who's such a well-known public figure as well, yeah, um, you're kind of inviting a bit more scrutiny than doing it with some. Obviously, that's something we do a lot with Swan Song is we write songs in memory of people, and it's kind of doing that. But then it's like to do it with a, such a public figure as Vincent Van Gogh, and you know, someone with Don McLean's audience, like because so many people will connect to to Vincent Van Gogh. Anything about him kind of is going to invite a bit more scrutiny than a song. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think I think um, as well. Don McLean did it after, well, there's, I think there's a number of stories that go around. Somebody said he was just looking at the, the painting Starry Starry Night and he came up with it, but I don't believe that because he seems to, the rest of the song knows so much about the artist. Mm. The, the other story is that he'd, he'd, he'd actually read a book about Vincent Van Gogh and that, that rings true to me, I think, because I don't think he could have written that song with such a knowledge of Vincent just by looking at Starry Starry Night. Um, yeah. Perhaps that inspired it or whatever. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it's 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 like you. I mean, obviously, the 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 thing about about your project is that it's it must mean so much to so many people to write a song that is specifically about a partic a particular person. You know, I think the real act of 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 um, of bravery on, on behalf of the likes of Don McLean or Springsteen or Elvis or whoever is to actually re release it, knowing that it's actually going to millions of of followers. You know, and you're like, yeah. wow, you know. Um, but it's something I think you know. Music could be such a huge personal comfort to people that in, in times that yeah, that's yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, um, thanks a lot for your time, Robert. It's really nice talking to you. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. Okay. No. Thank you very much for having me on. And as I, I say, it's um, it's lovely to to have a conversation that's that's kind of focused on a, a particular particular theme, and, and then of course we've kind of branched off and. and Hopefully it's been it's been light-hearted in places and, <laughs> and, and more sombre than others, but uh, I've really enjoyed it. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, it's been a pleasure. Um, have you got anything else coming up that you want to mention? Um, I know you've got a tour later in the year. I've got tickets to see uh, at the Brood and Ellen Leeds, which is just around the corner from my house. So I'm looking forward great. to that. <laughs> good, good. No, I mean that's that's basically it. This tour has been uh, in the pipeline now since prior to coronavirus. So once we get out on the road to do that, it's going to be a huge sense of relief. We've got another few things coming um, before then that aren't uh, necessarily announced yet. So, yeah, if anyone is interested, then just check us out on all our social media channels, all the usual ones, and um, we'll let you know everything that we're up to. Great stuff. And I'll put all the links in the description for this so anyone uh, watching can just follow it through and, uh, and give you a follow and listen to my yeah. music. Great stuff, yeah. I look forward to seeing you, seeing you in November.
Yeah, cheers, Ben. We'll see you there. Yeah, thanks a lot, Robert. And uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. We'll be back with another episode soon. <laughs>